0: Let's try that again. Good evening. evening. All right. You guys happy to be here? Yeah. All right. Good. I am. And um, I'm excited about uh, what we're going to talk about. If we could just do me a favor, I think we'll be okay if we do this, but can we turn these lights down just a tad bit? Um, It's kind of a whiteout going, so I really can't see people's faces and I'd like to see their faces. So if we could just adjust the lighting a little bit. I'd appreciate it. All right. Well, we just prayed. and uh, But let me pray one more time, very, very quickly, uh, just to get my mind in the right place. Father, we love you, and we thank you for tonight. We praise you for your word, how powerful and how exciting it is. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, be with us here. Holy Spirit, I pray you would just enlighten us. Father, that we would leave this place more excited about you. Father, more excited about how you work and how you accomplish what you do in our lives and how you, when we open ourselves up to you and, 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 Father, try to see through, uh, through eyes of eternity, if we want to call it that, that we can experience some things that just go far beyond the natural directly into the supernatural presence of you. And we thank you so much for that, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. If we could try to adjust that just a little bit more, that would be great. Um, otherwise, I can't see everyone. I can see you. Good looking guys. I want you to know that. Good, good. All right. So let's do a real, little review here. So last week, uh, who was here last week? Raise your hand. All right. So good. So tell me a little bit about um, Acts chapter 15. Anybody Paul and split. What was that? Paul and Barnabas split. Okay, well, yeah, the very end. Paul and Barnabas got a little argument. What was the argument about? What was it regarding? Mark. That's right, about Mark. And why why were they upset about Mark? What was going on with Mark? Yeah, during the first missionary journey, he kind of got freaked out, a little scared, got a little, got a little stress, a little tense. Um, and uh, this whole thing of like losing your life. <laughs> and he kind of left. And so Paul, during this time in Paul's life, Paul was kind of like, strike one. No, nope, you're done. Okay. He really was. Uh, he wasn't a guy who gave people a lot of chances like that. And he kind of showed it there. Okay. So, so um, Barnabas took Mark and where did he go? Does anyone know? Cyprus, I'll just tell you that, okay? And then um, what we have is we have Paul, and and who who did Paul grab a hold of? Hmm? Silas, yeah, Silas. And who was the third person on the journey with them? Huh? Huh? Luke, that's right. Luke was the third first son on the journey, and you'll see tonight. Um, lots of people think it was only Paul and Silas, but it wasn't. Luke was a part of it as well because um, it, later on it talks about we, we, and us, and we and us throughout this chapter, and actually through through the, uh, these stories. And, and And we know that who wrote Acts? Who wrote Acts? Luke did, right? Okay. So, um, so that's the end. So, we'll just kind of end there, okay? Um, that kind of takes us to where we're going to begin um, this week. And um, so, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Acts 16. And um, we're going to start with verse 1. So what it says. Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra, And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers in Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them uh, for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Alright, so there's some things here that are kind of interesting. You know, Paul takes off with Silas and Luke, and um, they end up coming to... Um to Lystra, And there they meet Timothy. Now, Timothy is a, a um, huge figure in the New Testament. Uh, there's no doubt about that. God used him to, to help to plant churches, to be a pastor over several churches. Um, we'll see in a minute who he was to Paul, actually, and how important that relationship was to both of them. Uh, But here he is. He's a a young man. He was probably somewhere in his uh, around 20 years of age at this time, uh, a young guy. And his mom uh, was a Jew and she was a believer. She was a follower of God. Um, She was a follower of Christ. And this is, it says his father was a Greek. That's all we know of his father. We, we're we assuming that he did not know the Lord because it doesn't say this. We don't even know if he's still in the picture because he was raised really by his mother and his grandmother who are both believers. So his father maybe is completely out of the picture. Maybe he was dead. We don't know. But um, here's Timothy. And, um, and, and Paul sees something in him that is huge. And he goes, you know, I want him to come with me. And Timothy's heart was there to want to go with Paul. He had to be. Because all of a sudden it says... Um, well, first of all, let me let me share a little bit about Paul and Timothy's relationship. Um, you know, eventually Paul describes Timothy as like a spiritual son, and and Paul became really a a father to Timothy. His father, like we said before, was absent. And and they ended up having this relationship that was um, like a father son relationship. Uh, Paul calls it a spiritual father, um, but I think in a lot of ways, uh, Paul mentored him. He was the example of what a man should be, and, and and Timothy just gravitated towards him, and Paul towards him, and they had this very special relationship. In fact, in First Corinthians four seventeen, it says, "For this reason, I've sent Timothy, sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord." And then he says in Philippians chapter 2, um, verse 22, but you know of his, meaning Timothy's proven worth, that he served with me in the for, in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. So they have this incredible relationship and they and, um, and this is the beginning of it here. And, and it says that Paul's going to take Timothy and then he circumcised him. Now, now Timothy is 20 years old. Can you imagine that conversation? Now, what I want you to do is try to put yourself in the place of many of these, uh, of, of, you know, we're reading a history of the early church here. And, and and what I try to do is I try to think, if I were here during this time, what would that be like, okay? Now, I try not to put myself in the in the shoes of Timothy, okay? But can you imagine the conversation? And Paul says, I want you to come with me, okay? And so he says, yes, I want to go. And he goes, well, we got to circumcise you. Now, for a 20-year-old, that's not something that's like, okay, that sounds like fun. It's not there. Um, it, it, it's just um, kind of alarming. But he kind of explains why he needs to circumcise him. You know, because his father was Greek, um, and he he didn't... It, w- he was going to be going into regions and and, and ministering to people and, and talking to people who were Jews. And him being um, a Jew and a Greek, um, you know, for if he's talking to Jews, they probably would not want to hear him if he was choosing to basically live as a Greek rather than a Jew. And so Paul says, you know, I don't want anything to come in the way and to hinder what we're going to do among uh, the, the Jewish people that we're going to be reaching out to and sharing Christ with. And so we don't want there to be any, any type of, um, element or question in the Jewish mind as to whether you're going to, um, uh, if you're, if you're going to be a Jew or a Greek. And so he goes, let's just do this. And so Timothy, being a, a young man who was, um, saying, I'll do anything. And this really shows his heart, doesn't it? I mean, it shows in an incredible way, his heart for the Lord, his heart say, you know, whatever needs to happen, I'm going to do, I, I'm ready, I, I want to reach out, I want people to know the Lord, and I don't want to be a hindrance in any way, shape, or form to that. And that was his heart, that was his passion, that was his, his desire. You know, I began to think about this um, when, today when I, was, when I was kind of going over and, and, and preparing um, about the things in my life, you know, there, there's a freedom that we have in Christ, which is incredible, which is precious, which is amazing. But, you know, and, and Paul says, you know, all things are basically allowed, but not all things are profitable. Not all things um, are good for, a mo- for the moment. And uh, we can um, have a freedom to do some things, but sometimes in that freedom we can maybe hurt um what God wants to do in, in a particular situation. And would we, I began to ask myself, would I be willing to give up anything or to get, even maybe to give up something that's really important to me if it was going to be something that was going to hinder what God would want to do in people's lives? And so in times like this, I think, I would want to, yeah. I was, I'd like to say right now, yes, Definitely. But if, if I was at 20 years old, a guy came up and said, hey, you're going in the ministry and, 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 and where you're going to go, I think you should be circumcised. I may mean, think maybe I'll be a truck driver. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that may have not been, you know, my heart, even though I wish it would have been. I would want it to be. And I think we need to begin to look at ourselves and say, God, is, it God, is there something in my life right now that's so important that if all of a sudden I had to give it up or I had to alter or change something, w- would I be willing to do that if you desired that? if that's what you wanted. So I want you to maybe think for a minute, you know, is there something in your life that is so important that you don't think, yeah, I don't know if I could really give this up. I don't know if I'd be willing to. And, 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 and just to think, you know, God, what, what is it that you'd want me to do with that? Well, let's go on. Now, another thing about Timothy is they were, they were strengthening the churches. It says they went around strengthening the churches um, and encouraging them. And he even goes on to say he was encouraging them with with basically what had taken place at what was called the Jerusalem Council. And you guys studied this, I think it's in, in Acts eleven. If you've been here for a while, the Jerusalem Councils after um, Cornelius had accepted the Lord, and 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 Peter had baptized him. They go back and they go, "What were you doing baptizing Gentiles?" That's not, because up until then, like you know, it was all all Jewish people who who had come to Christ. And um, there they had some conversations about, um, you know, how we were going to move forward here. And, and they had two major things to remind you that they were encouraging the church with. And the first one was that salvation is completely by God's grace. It's not based upon our heritage. It's not because the, the, that we are of Abraham. We are of Christ. And, and in Christ, we have a brand new relationship. And that relationship is based upon God's grace. And then the second is that the Jewish believers should, uh, should not hinder the Gentile believers from coming into fellowship with them. Okay? They shouldn't. I mean, Gentile believers now are on the same footing as, as those up until that point who are just Jewish believers. And um, so basically it's a two-fold message. Number one is that salvation by grace. Number two is we need to be living in love. We need to be living in love. We need to be, you know, describe. We need to be reflecting what Jesus was and who He is, um, to not just to one another, those of us who are kind of alike, but to but to all people. Um, that's what they were encouraging. What an, a great encouragement! And I understand this missionary journey they're on right now. The 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 the, the original goal was to go back to all the churches that they had established and encouraged them, build them up, okay? Um, you know, kind of um, come back around and, and, and um, fill them up with the Lord. So here's Timothy. He's on the journey. So now we have, um, we have Paul, we have Silas, we have Timothy, we have Luke. Four guys on this missionary journey. So let's pick up in um, chap, chapter 16, verse 6. It says, And they went through the region um, of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to to Mysia, they they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by um, Mysia, they, they went to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Man, that's pretty amazing. I love this chapter, this part of the, of the story and what, what unfolds from this point on. I, I don't know about you. There are some times when I really feel that God is saying no, when God is closing doors, when God is hindering things. Uh, when God is throwing things wide open, when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you turn around and it seems like, bam! There's a situation right in front of you. Have any of you ever experienced that before? Any of those things? Go ahead and raise your hand if you have. It's okay. Don't be afraid. You know, um, in our walk with the Lord, if you will eventually, if you haven't experienced things like that. Where God is moving, God is working. And we see here that, that they, they wanted to go to, to Galatia. And it says the, the Holy Spirit forbid them. That word for forbid there is to hinder or prevented them from going there. Their plan was to go here and we don't know how the Holy Spirit did that. We don't know if they couldn't get you know passage on a ship. We don't, we don't know what the Spirit of God did to hinder them. But we know he did. So they said, fine, we're going to go here. And so they decided, we're going to go to Bithynia. That's where we'll go. We'll go to Bithynia. And you know, the door to Asia is closed, so we'll go there. And it says, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again, we don't know what happened. But it was to such a degree that they said, okay, yeah, we can't go there. That's good. But they didn't just stop and say, okay, well, we're going to stay here until you tell us, tell us where to go. They kept moving. Okay, if we if God closed the door here and God closed the door here, then listen to what we'll do. Let's, let's just travel in this story. We'll go to Troas. And while they were in Troas, Paul had this dream, this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, saying, we need you. Come and share with us. Come and speak to us. And so obviously he thinks this is why God has closed these other doors. We're going to go over here. And sometimes we find ourselves in divine appointments, God moments, you know, situations that are, that, you know, that some people say could walk away from us and think, man, what a coincidence. Have you ever experienced that? Man, what a coincidence. That was crazy. That, such a, that, that, that happened like that. You know, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't. I don't believe things just happen. I really don't. Especially if we're walking with the Lord, and we're allowing Him to move and work in our lives, you know what I believe? I believe that God just happens to work in ways that we didn't imagine He would work, and He sets up situations that um, would be situations we can never set up, um, meetings and moments that just go beyond explanation, and 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 I believe we see that throughout Scripture, and especially here, divine appointments. A, a, and I kind of think about this as like a choreographed plan of God. Uh, you know, chor- choreography, choreography is is, um, is is defined by this. It is the arrangement or direction of actions leading up to an event. God will choreograph things to take place that I believe will lead us, each and every one of us, if we have eyes to see and if we are recognizing them, we'll find ourselves in a choreographed moment by God. And he's going to be moving. He's going to be working in an incredible way. Proverbs 16.9 says, um, you, you can look it up or you can just listen. <laughs> I, I'm going kind of quick here. I know. I'm sorry about that. But it says, in his heart, a man plans his course. So it's like, I. this is where I'm going to go. This is what my life is going to be. This is what I'm going to do. But the Lord determines his steps. Now, the Hebrew word, therefore, determines, can also be translated establishes. So the Lord establishes steps, or the Lord prepares his steps, or the Lord provides his steps, or the Lord sets in place his steps, or the Lord directs his steps, or the Lord firmly decides his steps, or the Lord makes secure steps. His steps those all have to do with being guided don't they with being set up kind of choreographed um, it, it's, and it's, it, it's actually a meticulous word that involves careful planning kind of down even down to the smallest detail to the smallest detail now there's there's some different schools of thought out there you know there, there's some people who are out there who don't believe that God gives as much thought to us. And to our lives as we think he does. There's some people who think, you know, we talk about we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Those terms, personal Lord and Savior, are never mentioned in the Bible, okay? Um, and so a lot of people believe that we've become much more, um, you know, we focus on ourselves more than we ought to. I don't know about that, because I believe God has a, a relationship with us as a church, and I think he has a relationship with us personally. But um, I also believe that God um, works in our lives in the same way he works in the lives of the people that we read about in Scripture. I, I, I believe that um, that when he told the apostles, you know, these things you see are great, greater things you'll be a part of. When I see him setting up situations like in the book of Esther, like this in Acts, and so many other situations, that that's just the way that he works. That's just kind of like his MO. That's how he desires to interact with us. uh, At least one of the major ways he desires to interact with us. On his side, he's ready, but on our side, we have to be willing to, to look and to see things that way. There's no coincidences, I believe, with God. In fact, Mark Batterson, in his book, um, uh, The Circle Maker, says this God is in the business of strategically positioning us in the right place at the right time. But it's up to us to see and seize those opportunities that are all around us all the time. You know, God can set things up, but if we don't see them, if we don't look to them, if we don't realize them, then we're not going to be able to experience those. Does anyone have something that, that, you know, they can share just very quickly or maybe they've experienced something like that? Where you find yourself where it's like, I, I mean, you can't deny that God just did this. Does anyone have, have, have something they can share where, where, they, where they've experienced that? Okay. Maybe you don't feel comfortable doing that because I know in a room this size that some people have. Let me explain to you something just happened to my wife and I this past Saturday. My wife and I have been kind of going through some. We, we're brand new here. We just moved here. Uh, I guess it's brand new. It's, it's been now. It's just been just about six months we've lived here. Moved from California in um, in September. Uh, left our our three kids. Our two older children are married. Uh, our oldest has our granddaughter's there. Um, our youngest is twenty. Actually, he's going to be moving here in a couple weeks now. Um, but uh, it's been a, it's been a challenge. You know, it's been hard being away from them. And, you know, you think in a big church it's easy to make friends, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> some of you are like, No. All right. It, it it's a challenge, it really is. And so there's been some loneliness that's been there and, and um well we've just really been praying that God would open the door and, and we'd meet people and, and friendships would just happen. And so, you know, this past Saturday we we got up and I got up and I was kinda did some reading in um when I first got up and I kinda went back and kinda sat in the in on our bed and we just were sitting there just kinda having a lazy morning talking. And um then I said, Hey, I'm kinda hungry, do you wanna want me to make breakfast or do you wanna go out to breakfast? So it was a Scotser breakfast. So we just kind of cleaned up real quick and took off. And we went to the coffee shop, at Agritopia, which is an incredible place to go to breakfast, if you've never been there. Um, and we got there, and it was a little bit later. It was a late morning. And as we walked in, the line, because you go through, you have to stand in the line and order your breakfast, and then they bring it out to you. Well, the line was all the way to the very back, into the back room of the restaurant. And we're looking around. There were not a single table. They didn't have people at it. We thought, nope, not going to come here. So we left. We go, hey, let's go downtown Gilbert. So we, we had heard about this restaurant. It's right next to the Liberty Market. It's, you know, just south of that. We heard it's great for breakfast. Let's go there. So we, And we drive up and there's some big thing going on this on Saturday around in downtown and we go there and there's an hour wait. And we're like, nope, not going to do that. And so we thought, well, let's try, you know, the Liberty Market. And so we walk in. It's like, well, it doesn't seem that bad. It's, it's going to be better. And, and there too, you kind of stand in the line, order your food, and then go to your tables. So we just, we walk over. We kind of look at the menu. We thought, okay, let's just do this. We walk to the to the line. And as soon as, I mean, we've been there like 10 seconds and the guy comes up and says, Hey, if you guys don't want to wait in the line, you can go over to the cappuccino bar over there and you can sit, you know, on one of the stools at the bar there and, and they'll take your order and you can get your food there. We're like, okay, we'll do that. So we go and sit down and, and it's, uh, there's three chairs kind of right next to the window. We kind of sit at the two towards the end of the restaurant and we're there for about 15 minutes. We ordered, we're talking and a lady comes up and says, Hey, can we, can I sit at this (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me, this, the, you know, the other empty chair here. We said, "Yeah, go ahead." So she's by the um, by the window, and so we're talking, we're doing stuff, and then and the food comes, and we're eating, and and all of a sudden, um, my wife begins to talk to this lady. She kind of looks over, notices a, she has a Bible study there, and so she, they start talking, and um, and then there's this incredible conversation just kind of happens, the, 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 this this amazing thing. All of a sudden, they're giving each other phone numbers okay and and they're and they're talking about she's telling us oh you got to go look at this and do this and and also she goes oh we go to this this church but you know you know we just we're having trouble we've been here for a long time we don't have a lot of really close friends and and um like small groups and she goes oh we just started a small group this past week she goes and they only live like a mile and a half from us and and they're invited they're going to come to our small group this week and and we walk out we thought man that was a god moment that was a divine appointment, it really was. I mean, if we would have left a half hour earlier, if we would have gone even an hour earlier to Agrotopia, we probably wouldn't have been as busy, we would have stayed there. Or maybe if, she, if we would have stayed in the line and gotten sat at a table, she would have sat there, we would have never connected. There's so many circumstances, any one thing would have changed and that wouldn't have happened. Some people look at that and go, oh, that's just coincidence. I go, no. God loves me too much to have it be a coincidence. He loves us too much to have it be that. God loves to bring people into our lives and bring situations into our lives we just wouldn't really think about. And we see this right here with, um, with w- what's happening in Paul and, and the men's lives. It's important to remember this as we work through. Because of God closing doors here and opening doors here, because of that, what's about to happen takes place divine appointments. Let's go on here Acts chapter 16 verses 11 through 15. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to uh, Samothrace, which is actually an island, and they stayed at the island overnight because the the journey after that sometimes is, is it's rough waters in that area. And the following day to uh, Neapolis and, and from there to to Philippi, which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia, which is a Roman colony. Now, we we remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, one who who, who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Now, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what, what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have um, judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us, which means she <laughs> convinced them is what it means. Man, I look at this story, and I just think, how, how cool is this? This is, they're in what is now Europe, okay? What would be considered Europe. And we're looking at the very first convert in this area, in in Europe. The very first person to come to know the Lord is a woman named Lydia. And, and you know, we see some things here which I think need some explaining, okay? So I want to explain this because there's some things in here that would seem kind of, foreign to us because, uh, you know, of the time period. And, and, and so I want to explain a couple things to you now on the Sabbath day. Okay. Um, they, it says they went outside the city gate to a river um, where they thought they would find a place of prayer. Now, Paul's custom, wherever he went, any town he went to, he would look for a synagogue and he would go to the synagogue and he would reason in the synagogue with them about who Jesus was. That was just who he was. He had a heart for his people, for the Jewish nation. The very first thing he would do is he would go in there and he would seek to share with them about who Christ was. Now, in order for there to be a synagogue in a city, there had to be at least 10 men ...who were Jews and head of their household. And, and if there were ten men who were the heads of their household... ...they could establish a synagogue. If there weren't, no synagogue could be established in that, in that town. And here, there was no synagogue. And so in place of a synagogue, what they would do... ...is they would go to pray in the open air... ...by either a river or by like a seashore or someplace like that. And, and that. And, and on the Sabbath... That's where people would meet. And so when it says on the Sabbath, they went down to a river where they were expecting to find a place of prayer. They're going down to the place where um, most Jews would meet the few Jews that were there to pray. And for him to be able to begin to talk to them and share with them. And so that's why they were there. Now, it doesn't doesn't even say that there were any men there. It it, it seems to us it's only women who were there. And so Paul begins to talk to them. He begins to, um, to, to share with them. Now, it's interesting, too, real quick. It says, and it, and it, this may not seem like it, it means very much, but, but it, it is really important. And, and it, says, it says that Paul sat down and he spoke to the women there. He sat down. And the reason this is important is because of of what Paul was talking about. If if a, um, if a rabbi, um, he, he, a rabbi would usually always sit, but if he were standing, kind of standing or kind of walking around and kind of talking, it was considered informal and, and probably not as important, okay, to, to, for, you know, what he was talking about. When he sat down, it means it was very important and very official what he was going to be speaking. So when he sat down to speak, it meant this is important. For a rabbi to speak in the this is very, very important. You know, today, it's interesting when we think about this, a professor who, who holding a chair in a department, it signifies the honor position in which they teach, if they hold a chair in, the apart, in, in that department. The Roman Catholic Pope gives an official pronouncement. When he does, he is, he is said to speak in ex cathedra, and the word, and, and which literally means to speak from his chair. To speak from his chair. And, and, and it, it is also important to see that the first, or let me, I kind of go on here. So so he sat down, he spoke to them, and it says that there was a woman there said that it was Lydia, seller of purple clothing, and, um, and, and it kind of says this, and I think it's important to understand why. Now Thyatira was one of the seven churches that we see in Revelation chapter 2, in the early of those seven churches. Thyatira, so, so this church that's being established there, um, now will one day be talked about in Revelation. And, um, it, and they were noted for, for manufacturing uh, purple clothing purple-dyed clothing and dyed goods. Now, purple dye came from one of two places, which is really interesting. I wanted to, I, you know, when I was um, on a mission trip several years ago, I was down in the Amazon, and I watched them take different plants and roots and some different things to dye different colors. And I would think, how I, I would have never thought that that color would come from that plant. And so I looked, and and, it's, and the purple dye came from either the glands of a shellfish, or from the roots of matter plants. Both of which were extremely rare. And because of where they had to find the purple clothing or the purple dye, anything that was dyed purple was very, very expensive. And so during this time, the only people who, who wore purple were either royalty or the extremely wealthy. So a woman who dealt in purple clothing and selling that, Became was was more than likely a very wealthy person. So Lydia was a very wealthy, very influential person in this area. And so um, it goes on here to say that she was a worshiper of God. She was a Jew. She loved God. She worshipped God. She cared about God. And she wanted to seek God and understand God. And so she was very, very open um, uh, to that. Also, Lydia was, was um, listening to the gospel proclaimed by Paul. She was listening to the gospel. You know, Jesus talked about, remember when we talked about in parables? For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Remember those, those sayings? You know, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. I mean, we can, we can all listen to something. doesn't mean we all always hear what someone's saying, right? And he says, you know what? I speak in spare parables, so those who are really seeking will understand. But for those who aren't, those who are just there for any other reason, they're not going to catch and here's Lydia. She's at this river. She's a Jew, one of the few Jews in this area. She's an influential woman. In fact, maybe her being down there could be why many of the people that are there are there. Because she has that much influence. And, and, and while she's, she's there, all of a sudden she's hearing Paul talk about Jesus. And, um, and her heart um, began to... In fact, it even says that God was involved in what was going on here. It says that um, God was involved um, in the conversation with Lydia. Um, It says, he opened her heart. Now, when we seek God, um, he will respond to that seeking. Do you understand that? In fact, it says in, in Jeremiah 29, it says, if you seek me and search for me with all of your heart, I'll be found by you. It's not a hide-and-seek game God's playing, okay, where we have to go find him. Well, I couldn't find him. I guess I'm not going to find God. That's not who God is. But God says, when you seek for me, you're going to find me. And, you know, she had been seeking God, so God opened her heart and said, it's almost like God prompted her, listen to this, hear this, this is me. That's kind of the idea behind that. Where, where the revelations happen, she's revealing, you know, the truth to who she is. And, man, she, she comes to know the Lord, um, because of Paul's message, she gives her life to Christ, and then she she had her whole household come, you go, Paul, come and, and let the, my whole household here. And it says they all accept the Lord and they were all baptized that day. Pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, it's exciting whenever you hear about someone who is seeking God and, and they hear and and they and they give their life to the Lord and they're, they're baptized, they just they turn their life over to the Lord. Man, it is exciting. I've seen so many people's lives completely transformed. ...by what's going on. And you know what's amazing to me? You know what's so cool about our God? is it, it, what he does... Um, ...in us. And how important we are. And this goes back to I, why I believe... ...God cares about us individually... ...just not as a, a mass of believers. Although he looks at us in both ways. I want you to think about... ...think about your life. I want you to think about... ...that when you, when you became a, a follower of Jesus... ...when you accepted Christ into your life... You committed your your not just a a belief in him but made him your lord i mean you just you came to really know him There probably wasn't just one person that was involved in that was there probably not just one situation that took place was there In fact, there's probably a lot of different people that may have played a role in that. Maybe some more significant and more than one situation, maybe many situations. Maybe you grew up in a home where people love the Lord. And so growing up in that home, there were a lot of people who came into play. And that was true in my life. Maybe there were coworkers, maybe neighbors, maybe 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 friends from a, a softball team or 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 from the gym or from wherever wherever you may have been. Think about this. It, it is not ever just one person or one situation, but many. God will bring a whole team together just for you. Think about that. A whole group of people just for you. Why? Because he likes you that much. He kind of likes you. He died for you. Kind of showed that, right? And so he's willing to go to, to whatever extremes that he can go to to open up the opportunities for you to see him and understand him and realize your need for him so that you will give yourself to him. And guess what? When we're sharing and we're talking to people, we as followers, it's not us who are making the difference. We're not. Okay? I mean, in fact, it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul goes, you know, Paul and Apollos goes, who's Paul? Who's Apollos? So he goes, you know, Apollos planted, I watered, but it's God who causes the growth. He's the one who saves. It's not the person who shared with you. I mean, praise God for the person who shared with you. And maybe it was there when, when, when you accepted Christ. And, but think about all the people who are involved in your life. And, 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 the, and, you know, I wish it would be so great to hear Lydia's story. You know? So great to hear about what was going on in her life. What were the situations that God was working out there? We don't know. We have no clue. We just know, kind of a little step by step, of what happened when she gave her life to the Lord. But you know, you know, there are things happening before that point. Definitely, things happening. Where this belief in God, and then all of a sudden when Jesus comes into play, where she's given her life to him. Just so exciting to see this happen. And and not just her, but it says her entire household um, came to know the Lord at that. And that would say her children, that would maybe if she had servants there, that she cared enough about them for them to even hear the news. And to allow them to do that. And it says that they were baptized into Christ. Man, so cool, so exciting. Now I've been doing a lot of talking. I'm going to be asking a couple of questions here, okay? So, coming up. So, I'm going to want you to answer, okay? All right? You're not even answering all right, okay? Okay, good, good, okay? We're going to be a little more interactive here in a minute. Um, now, we, let's look here. So, we see all this God hindering them from, from going to different places. They come to Macedonia, and, and like one of the first—they're there for a few days. They go down to the river, and instantly we see people coming to the Lord, God is opening up the door in this whole region. Okay, now look at verse um, 16. If you have your Bibles. It says this. Now, as we are going to the place of prayer... Again, they're going back to that place of prayer. Okay? Um, They had already been there once. They're going to go down there again. On their way, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. And she followed Paul... And was and, and and us, crying out, these men are the servants of the Most High God, proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, I don't know if you think some things are funny in Scripture when you read them. I do. And there's, there's some humor in this, okay? There really is. You know, and, and there's a principle we have here too. As the church began here, it wasn't long before all of a sudden the enemy was attacking. I mean, almost instantly the enemy is attacking, where there is a group of believers beginning to, to flourish and beginning to grow, and people coming to the Lord. He's going to attack it. He's going to try to hinder it. We're involved in a spiritual battle that's been going on since before Adam and Eve. When a third of heaven revolted, okay, and, and, uh, and they were kicked out of heaven to came down to earth. But it just start, starting from, from our world, it started with Adam and Eve, didn't it? And um, it's been going on ever since. And we're involved in a battle. And the enemy is very, very real. So here they are. They're going to the place to pray again. They met a slave girl who was demon-possessed. Now, this demon gave her the ability to um, fortune tell. To, she was like an oracle to be able to, to see into the future and, and to give some direction. Um, the Greeks and Romans put a lot of stock in divination. They did, In fact, there were, there were emperors who maybe would not pass decrees and laws without consulting oracles. There were, there were generals and commanders of armies who would not go into battle without um, um, going to an oracle to, to see if they would win, if they would be victorious, if their losses would not be too great. I mean, it was something in this, in this area, um, they were very, very valuable. And so the slave girl made her masters very, very wealthy. It's important to understand that. Made them very wealthy. And she was proclaiming, these men are servants of the Most High God, proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Now, was that true? Yes or no? Were these servants of the Most High God? Were they proclaiming the way of salvation? Well, then why was Paul upset? Why was Paul annoyed? Huh? Huh? any Any ideas, yeah go ahead and just speak into that he knew it wasn't a spirit from God because okay, it wasn't a spirit from God so so if it wasn't a spirit from God I mean they people couldn't think that was def, definitely God speaking through her right, especially if she talk like this you know I mean I don't know how she talked, but I mean uh, that would be kind of weird, um, but uh, it, you know you kind of don't want some press from the enemy, right? Did you think that maybe Paul um was thinking that he didn't want people to confused and associate who they were and who God was with his divination, the spirit? Someone over here, do you have something you want to say? Um or maybe not. Okay. Um I, you know, Paul I think got really annoyed with her. Um there's no doubt about it. Um because he did not want uh, who, who they were and their message to be wrapped up with a cult or divination. Now, you know you know what's really interesting here? I think the enemy, uh, one of the things he does, in fact, he did it with Eve, didn't he? Kind of shares the truth or part of the truth, right? Sometimes to lead people astray. Eve, hey, is there anything? Did God say that you couldn't eat anything? As he's sitting on the tree of the forbidden fruit, on the branch of the tree, you know, that he, they're not supposed to eat from. Okay, that, that wasn't coincidence. And um, yeah, he says, if we even touch it, we're going to die. All of a sudden, she went legalistic because God didn't say that. He said, just don't eat. And what did he say? Ah, you won't die. You're not going to die. He just doesn't want you to know everything he knows. That's basically what he said, right? He didn't tell her. He kind of told her kind of a truth. He said, yeah, that will happen, but then he kind of threw it away. You know, I think you look at many false religions, and there are Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, important aspects, you know, of our faith, but when you get down to it and talk about who really Jesus is, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, it's something much different. The enemy will try to use a portion of the truth to try to deceive people to go down a path that is far from what the truth is. He's been doing this for a long time, so daily he's doing, she's doing this. Daily she's she's telling, and Paul just gets so annoyed, and he he just turns and says he casts the demon out. He's frustrated. Stop it. And um, and we see that, um, that 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 she's she's freed from that evil spirit. Now we don't know if she accepted the Lord. Doesn't say that. We don't know really what happened to her. She was a slave girl. She was owned by other people. Um, and we'll see in a minute that they are pretty upset because um, they were, uh, th- their, their means for a lot of wealth just uh, ended. But let me ask you this. Can we be involved in things? Because um, c- you know, the enemy was using her, even though she was telling the truth, To try to um, hurt what God was trying to do. Could we, even as followers of Christ, be involved in things that will fulfill the will of the enemy? Can we do that, even as followers of Jesus? Can we be involved in things that would help to fulfill the desire of the enemy? If you believe that we can, what would be some of those things? Yeah, runners, go ahead and stand up because this is one of those. That, by the way, that was a question. In case you were, you know, you haven't heard many tonight. Okay, so that that is a question. So, so if if you believe that we can be involved in something that could help to fulfill the will of of the enemy of God, if you even believe that, raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We all we all believe that. So. What, now, if you say something, I'm not going to think that you do it, okay? Let's just, just get that out there, okay? It's fine, okay? So, but, but what, what could be an example of something that we could be involved in that would help to fulfill the will of the enemy? Someone in the very back raised their hand. If you want to run, runner, run, runner, run. I think a lot of people are Christian, but they're involved in pornography. Okay, all right, so something like pornography or maybe sexual sexual morality, sexual sin, definitely things that would definitely you know uh, you know something like that, God gave man and woman um uh you know sex and marriage, which is beautiful and and things outside of that are as a corruption of that, okay, definitely, yeah, gossip, yeah, gosh, no one here has probably ever gossiped, right, right? no, never, yeah. Anything that discredits our testimony. Anything that would discredit our testimony. Okay. Do you, wait, do you have an example of what something that may discredit our testimony? What would be maybe something else that would discredit that? Okay. Okay, adultery. Okay. Okay. Having short hair. short. So- <laughs> hey. How about no hair, okay, <laughs> or getting there? Um, yeah, there's a lot of examples, right? How about just not showing love? Could that be it? How about showing favoritism? How about ignoring people? How many of you have ever been ignored? That feels so good, doesn't it? How many of you have ever been in a large room and felt very, very, very alone and isolated? Huh? Am I, I'm not the only one, then. Okay, good. Hey, how, how about this? How about wearing a mask, and not a real mask? You know, if there's ever been a place that where people should feel free and be free to be themselves, whoever they are, with all the good, all the bad, the beautiful, the cruddy, the ugly, everything, it should be here, right? Hey, I mean, we are all here, every single one of us are on the same page. We all rely upon the grace of God every single day. None of us are getting to heaven on how good we are, how much we know, what we do. None of us are. And yet, I think, I don't know if you'd agree with me, that probably the church is a place where people, more people wear masks than the other place. In fact, I would venture to say there's a greater majority of people who walk in here on a Sunday, on a weekend, wearing masks than those who aren't. Why do you think? Now, do you agree with that? How many of you have ever worn a mask here? You know what I say? Women wear masks. Men are posers. Okay? Uh, they are okay, and um, and you know I don't know about the mask that you wear or how you pose. You know, as a, as a for me for years, and, and I, I don't do this anymore. I try not to do this anymore. You know what my mask was, my posing was. I'm there for everyone else. People, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm fine. Yeah, I got some things, but I'm good. And inside, I am not good. In fact, I'm mean anything but good. How many of you have ever worn that mask? Yeah. It's too scary to actually say, you know what? This has been a rough week. It's been hard. Because the guy was walking by you and said, how you doing? He didn't care. He didn't, want, he was, he didn't take a he didn't pause in the step to even find out if the answer was you know, good or bad. We've done that, right? Let me just say, we can be a part of things that can fulfill the enemy's desire. I think one of the greatest desires he has is that the church will be filled with isolated, lonely people. That's why fellowship, that's why community is so, so important. That's why we need one another. We all have a desire to love and be loved, to know and be known. Isn't it true? Every single one of us. No one loves isolation. We need it. We don't need it. We need community. We need relationship. Okay, Now, let's look at what happened when this girl gets freed from this evil spirit, right? I mean, praise God, she's free. Let's go get pizza. Let's go to Disneyland, right? Let's celebrate, okay? That should be what happens, correct? Let's see what happens here. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them, gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. I don't think that's what they were thinking was going to happen. Right? I mean You know what we see here, you know the whole term the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Do you think that would apply here to these guys? The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. You know what they wanted? They wanted this the servant that they own to remain possessed and tormented. They didn't care, you know why? Because they're getting money. They didn't care about the welfare of her. All they cared about was what they were getting from her because of her. You know, this girl's masters were were not happy. They grabbed Paul and Silas. Now, why didn't they grab the other two? Well, Paul and Silas were the only two that were definitely Jews. They knew were, were Jews. These guys are Jews. They may have known, maybe there was something they knew, that the others were Greeks, partially Greeks and, and, and Roman citizens. And so they, they drugged them. Um, into the into the marketplace or the center of the city where there's a lot of things that were going on. I, I, I went to um, I, I went to on a mission trip and suffered for the Lord in Italy twice. And um, and and while I was there, um, uh, most of the towns had piazzas. Okay, if anyone ever been to Italy, okay, we should go on a mission trip together. Okay, um, Italy. There's they call piazzas, and I'm not talking about Mike. All right, and um, and in there, there's restaurants and there's businesses and every. I mean, there's there's children and families and teenagers and young adults and and elderly. Co- Everyone's there at night out in the piazza. And it's kind of the idea of the marketplace, and it says even the rulers of the city, and, 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 and as a Roman colony, there would be two chief magistrates that were kind of in charge of everything. And they grabbed Paul and Silas, they drug him into the marketplace, they drug him before um, the, the two magistrates, and they said, "These two guys are 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 doing some things that are not lawful. They're they're." Um, they have some customs that, 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 that as Roman citizens, we weren't, aren't allowed to do. Now, that's true. But they were kind of like these minor things that everyone overlooks. But, you know, the Jewish people during this time were not real popular in Rome. In fact, around this time, uh, Emperor Claudius issued an order expelling all Jews from Rome. Kicked them all out of Rome. Okay, And so there were some things that were going on that were, were not good for the Jewish people in the Roman um, culture. And, um, and it went from them going before these magistrates and, and saying they were doing something that was just very minor. And mob, the mob mentality just broke out. All procedure, all the, right, all the right procedures for dealing with people went out the window. All of a sudden, the magistrates just go nuts. And they, tell, they, they, they actually rip their clothes off, of their back, and they order them, basically the policemen of the day, to beat them with rods. And we don't know how many, but it says after they had inflicted many blows on them, on the, in, in the middle of this crowd that's just cheering them on, and it's out of control, all of a sudden, maybe the magistrate goes, you know, send them to jail and, and keep them safe. I mean, because it had gotten so crazy and so bad and so out, out of, out of control that, that they may be thinking, oh, they might kill them. That's how, how crazy it was getting here. So picture that. Picture me in the middle of that as Paul and Silas. They could, in, in, in a very real way, believe they're gonna die. I mean, when a mob, I don't know if you've ever seen a mob just go nuts. And I was on Cal State Fullerton campus in California in the 80s. And some things were going on there. And there was a section that just went crazy. There was about 700 students in this quad. And they just went nuts. And I was, I was kind of on the outskirts watching. And I was scared. Because it, it, anybody could get pulled into it. So they order them to be thrown into prison. And it says that um, uh, they put them um, into stocks, and they they um, put the stocks on their feet. and And what they would do with this is they they would spread their legs as far apart as they possibly could and put them in these stocks. So here's Paul and Silas. Um, they are they find themselves in prison, beaten up. Okay. Um, and I and imagine it, with what was going on, I wonder, I just wonder if as they're beating them, if there aren't people, as they're cheering them, as they're taking them off, kicking at them and throwing punches and pushing them. It was a crazy situation. And so they go in there and they, they're in stocks, they're uncomfortable, they're in pain, they're beaten up. How would you respond? How would you respond? What would you do? What do you think you would do? Because we don't know what we do. What would you think you would do? Huh? Did you raise your hand? No? No? No one wants to answer what you thought you'd do? There's not a wrong answer. It's just what you think. Okay, right here. I think I would sing hymns to the Lord. <laughs> you looked on ahead, you cheater. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would do. Not, okay. Uh, you know what I would do? I would probably pray. My person would be like, God, strike them dead with a bolt of lightning and fire from heaven. All right. Wouldn't it be sometimes, you know, be in situations where sometimes you feel that? I would like to think I would be just so spiritual. Oh, God, help them know who you are. In a very painful way. You know, I mean, I'm praying for them. But, but let's look, just look what they what happened here. It says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas. So it was midnight. Okay, late. We're praying. Okay, I get that one. And singing hymns to God. They were worshiping God singing songs to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a er- great earthquake. So the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, And every- everyone's bonds, everyone's, not just theirs, but everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, for we're all here. And the jailer called for the lights to rush in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his household. And he took them that at that hour of night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. And then he brought them up to his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that they had believed in God. I just got goosebumps. I just got goosebumps. I'm reading about a conversion that took place 2,000 years ago, and I got goosebumps. All I get is, wow, wow. When I read things like this, I go, wow, I can't even say it backwards. Wow. Okay. Um, it's just, it's amazing to me to read this, to see how God works and to know that it started with Him saying, no, I'm not going to allow you to go here and no, I'm not going to allow you to go there. Yes, I'm going to have you come here. Do you understand? That's how it started. This was not something that just happened. It was God saying, this is what I want to take place. It's going to kind of hurt. You're going to share in my sufferings. But guys, this is going to be great. You're about ready to go into something that's going to blow you away. They're in jail. (laughs) You know, John MacArthur um, says this, Praising God does not depend on circumstances. Christians rejoice in the glorious truth that the sovereign God is in control, no matter what the circumstance. That's where, that's where our joy comes from. That's where our confidence comes from. Even we find ourselves in a situation that's bad, it's not, that, it's not so bad that God's going, Oh, man, I didn't see that coming. What do I do? Peter, come over here. It's not that. God's not taken by surprise by anything. Anything. Isn't that good? Isn't that, isn't that great? I, I, I get excited about that, guys, because I've been through some crud. I, just ha- I have. We all have, okay? Anyone who's lived any amount of time in this life knows this life, this, this life we live, before and after we come to Christ, is not always easy, right? It's not always fun. And sometimes the part that's not fun is I choose to do things that are, that are dumb. I make dumb decisions, and those around me may make them dumb decisions that hurt. Have you ever been Im- impacted by either one of those? Your own dumb decisions or others' dumb decisions? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. So that's a dumb decision, okay? And in, no matter what we find ourselves in, the beautiful promise of God is He can cause all things to work together for good. For those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. And I look and see people's lives transformed. I don't care how long ago it was, it, man, it just, it grabs me. I get so excited about it. And these are people that I read about here, but I'm going to get to meet and shake hands with and say, tell me your story. In heaven, you're the jailer. I want to know exactly what that was like. I got the cliff notes. I want to hear the whole story. And I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see, and to hear all the stories. I think it was Luke who said, if if we were to put all the stories and all the teaching of everything that Jesus did, it would fill up all the libraries that we know of right now. This is just a glimpse of what he did. Not all. Yeah. Go ahead and go over there so I can hear. I think I heard what you said, but I'm not sure. Is it bad to meet celebrities in heaven? Will there be celebrities in heaven? I think that the celebrities, I don't know. We know that there'll be some people in some prominent seats. We know the 12 apostles will be in some prominent seats. We know that much. I think the only real celebrity is going to be Jesus. Okay? He's going to be the only real celebrity. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about uh, all of these other guys who were in prison there that uh, decided not to go and the Holy Spirit playing a big role there or... What was that? I heard about the geyser in prison. What was the other expert? Well, the, next part? the prison was full of other people besides Paul and Silas and, and none of them left. Yeah, none of them left, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, thank you. I was just going to get to that in just a sec. Um, but yeah, it, when, when, when all of a sudden the doors were opened up, it says that everyone's chains went off, right? All the shackles were gone. And, and the reason that the, the jailer was going to kill himself, uh, was because if for one prisoner escaping, it was death. And, and and many people, oftentimes it was torture and death. And so he's going to kill himself. He's going to commit suicide. Paul said, yelled him, stop. And he says, we're all here. And I don't know. I, I wonder. I mean, they heard Paul and Silas singing. And maybe they heard him praying. They heard him worshiping God. And then all of a sudden an earthquake happens. It shakes the foundation of the prison miraculously doors swing open, shackles come off I would want to wait around and see what happened next I really would and, and we don't hear that Paul said guys don't leave something cool is going to happen Paul didn't know exactly what was going to happen but it's pretty amazing though isn't I can't help but think that what was going on not just the earthquake, but even what happened beforehand um, had to do with that Definitely had to do with that. I, I've got I've got two minutes left here, and so I want I want to look at a, at, a, at, a, at a, a, just a couple things here as we close. We could look here at, at at who came to Christ and what happened. Do you understand these these two stories? Many people believe were within about a week of each other. You know, close to that. Think about all the people's lives that we just read about here that came to know the Lord. Whose lives were transformed. Came to know the Lord. Um, and, but we don't know about the other lives that were changed. Because of these changed lives. As they go away and they talk to, about their, their, um, uh, to their friends and to their family. We don't know the, other, the, 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 the ripple effect of people sharing about who Jesus is and and what he's done in their lives. You know, um, we all have a past. And I got a minute and 39 seconds to say this, okay? We all have a past, right? Every single one of us. There's good things in our past. There's not so much good things in our past. But, But let me just say, what we all have, no matter what, is today and tomorrow and the next day, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I reach forward to what lies ahead. And I want to encourage you and challenge you with something. Is we happen to follow a God who's notoriously unpredictable. And one of the things he wants to do is work in our lives. This is the takeaway. This is the so what to this, okay? He wants to work in our lives in this way. I, I, I believe it with everything in me. And, and he can do and set up circumstances, and he can, and he can do that. But, but if we are not walking with him, walking with him, we're not going to see what's in front of us, that he's laid in front of us to be able to experience some of these things. Now, I'm not saying we're going to go to jail and the, and the, and the door's going to fly open or we're going to stay there. And but you know what? We can experience him in some ways that are just like walk away going, God, you are so great. You're so good. Please continue to do those things. There's a great quote by Mark Batterson, and I'll close with this: says this. If we pray to God regularly, irregular things will happen on a regular basis. I like that. If we're praying to God and walking with God regularly, we'll find ourselves in these irregular situations, and those times are in the midst of them, you walk away and go, Did that just happen? That was so cool. That was so great. And I'm at you. That's what I'm hungry for. Not the thrill and everything else, but, but experiencing God in every way that He wants me to. All right, let's pray. I'm 15 seconds over. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you did here in Paul's and Silas and Luke. And Timothy's life, the life of these women and the jailer and their families and so many other people that you did there 2,000 years ago, God, and we praise you for the transformed lives that we got to read about. And, Lord, we thank you for our lives have been transformed by you, and we pray that we would not do anything that would work against you moving and working in each other's lives, that we would be just your children ready for you to do work however you choose to work, whenever you choose to do it. And I just thank you that more than anything, you just want us. You just love us and you want us first and foremost, and everything flows from there. We thank you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray, amen. God bless, guys. Have a great week.